Welcome to the Nourish Rap Podcast, hosted by two passionate clinical nutritionists whose mission is to educate, inspire, and empower people to lead a more nourishing life. Katie and Jessica value evidence-based practice, holistic healing approaches, and practical health advice, all while having fun along the way. We thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of The Nourished Wrap. Um, I, just some apologies, I'm actually here um, without my co-host for the first time today. So Jess is just having some challenges um, with sleep and um, getting Reuben into a routine. So he's about 13 weeks now and he's actually started teething. So she's just excused herself today as I'm sure everyone can understand that um, she just needs to devote her attention to that for the moment. But she's here with us in spirit, and I'm here um, today. I'm very lucky to be joined by two special guests. So we've got Mark, um, the director of um, All Real Food, and the head chef, Sean. And today we're going to be continuing on with our Eat Local feel for the month. So Eat Local, Eat Real month. That's what the Nourish Wrap is focused on for February. So um, thank you so much, guys, for joining me today. Well, thank you, Katie, for taking the time out. Thank you, Katie. Um, so we're here in the All Real Food Kitchen, um, so keeping it very real, interviewing on location. Um, so just to start with, Mark, um, how about you give us a little bit of background about All Real Food and how you came up with the company philosophy? Well, All Real Food started approximately nearly four and a half years ago, and um, it really started more or less by accident, um, probably as these things generally do, um, over lunch. And I expressed a desire to um, make cheese. Uh, To date, we haven't been making any cheese, uh, but we've been making um, other uh, food instead. So what we wanted to do was to actually um, make whole foods which are minimally processed and have little or no preservatives added. Certainly we don't add any preservatives into our food that are unnatural. So we might have uh, lemon juice for instance that we add as a natural preservative. Um, so that, that was the idea to make real food using whole ingredients um, and make it affordable and accessible. So when we started, we didn't think we'd be putting our food in vending machines, yeah. uh, and that came six to eight months after we had begun the process. Okay. So when you started, how were the meals delivered? Well, the first six to eight months, we were just doing uh, recipe design, uh, working out um, logistics, okay. finding a kitchen, available commercial kitchens in Brisbane, very, very limited, um, and just basically gearing up yeah and then what gave you the because obviously one of the trademarks I suppose of all real food is the fact that it's real food from a vending machine so how did you get that inspiration when when we thought about how to make the food accessible to lots of people that would mean the traditional way of bricks and mortar and that's a very expensive way of um, establishing and growing a business yeah Uh, And then just one day I thought, well, why not look at uh, vending machines? Because the Chinese vend everything and anything that you can think of, hot and cold. 
So we started down that track and it's a little bit different when you're trying to vend fresh food. Um, yeah. it's, it's got a whole heap of uh, logistic and um, size issues mm -hmm. that's not normally experienced by normal traditional vending. Yeah. Right, cool. Um, maybe we can go into some of those logistical um, struggles a little bit later in the podcast sure. for sure. Um, okay, so one thing we're really focusing on um, this month in at the Nourish Wrap is trying to encourage people to support local businesses and buy food local. Um, I guess because the further away food travels, and when I talk about food, I mean actual whole foods, not processed foods but the further away fresh food travels to us obviously the less nutrition um, it has to offer us so you've already touched on it a few times but um, you know I know you guys are really passionate about kind of trying to make your food as local as possible so could you maybe share with us some share with our listeners some of the ways you try to keep it local and fresh as well so when we started Australia and New Zealand uh, probably produce some of the cleanest uh, food in the world uh, because of our environment, because of our tough regulations around food and food production. Uh, so we wanted as much as possible to um, source all of our product yep. as much as we could from Australia and or New Zealand. There's just some things that we just don't grow here in Australia, yep. like uh, hazelnuts, um, cashews I don't think we do cashews not in any large volume so we're going to have to import those into this country yep so as much as possible we always try to source as local as we can possibly get another example a lot of spices we don't make yeah in this country they come from um, India or because that's their speciality so, um, to, to give you an example, um, we used to use Himalayan salt, right, initially when we started off, because of its um, purported health benefits over, uh, over traditional salt. But once we discovered that it was a coming from a non-renewable source, uh, we chose um, to move our focus to an Australian salt. And so we chose um, Australian Pink Lake salt, which is... Um, harvested by a local Aboriginal community. Oh, wow. And the, the flavour, well, you can talk about the flavour, Sean, of the that salt. We don't need to use as much. Yeah. It's a lot stronger than most salts that are out there. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just, that's, for instance, one, you know, one example. Yeah. The others we try and source locally are, are our yogurts we get from uh, Olympus Cheese, which are in Cooparoo, not far from us. Um, and uh, gutsy ferments, the sauerkraut we use in some of our um, menu items we will actually source locally. We really seek out local artisans yeah. in food um, that might be selling retail to the public, but then yeah. we say, well, we, we want to buy in bulk from you because we like your ingredients or we like your ethos. We want to put that within our menu range. Awesome. And I believe you get most of the produce on a Saturday at the market, Sean? Yeah, I travel out to the markets um, every uh, Saturday. I've got a contact out there. Um, also, we uh, have a butcher that's literally less than 500 metres down the road. And one of our stipulations to him is everything 
has to be free range. None of it can, can come from overseas. It's all got to be Australian produce. Yeah, awesome, cool. And what about your eggs? Out of interest, uh, our eggs come from uh, New South Wales. Cool. Uh, Emu Creek, I believe they're, they're mm. from. Great, cool. Um, so, I mean, I think at the moment eating local and eating whole foods is really trendy. But I think there's a bit of a disconnect sometimes between, like, you know, actually the trend of that and actually doing it. Like, there, it does present some challenges. I'm not saying that it's not worth it, but um, I think some people just think, oh, you know, like, I'll eat whole foods and I'll keep it local and all of that and it's easy. But you guys know firsthand that trying to maintain that sort of value, um, you know, it's... It, it makes things more challenging. Would that be fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, capsicums, for instance, just before Christmas, the Queensland supply ran out. The price of pap- capsicums at the Double. market went up yeah. because they were coming from Victoria. So when people say, you know, eat within 200 kilometres, yeah, okay, that's fine. And you want to eat seasonally, yeah. well, you're going to have periods where you can't get those base um ingredients that you want fruit and veg they're going to have to come from the southern states or from new zealand yeah right but we shouldn't be importing oranges for example from california yeah yeah exactly so we should be as much as possible supporting because that cost the cost added to that is is hidden somewhere someone's not paying the true cost to ship cold uh refrigerated Oranges from the US to Australia. Yeah. Let alone what's doing to the environment. Yeah. So it's it's really important for us to a try and source Australian first, and that's really difficult because it takes a lot of time to actually find Australian ingredients, and then because we're particular, a little yeah. bit particular about how what how they give us the produce, how they use lots of preservatives. Yeah. Then we might have to discount it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine also, like, in that example, because I remember when you guys were talking about the capsicum issue a few months ago, like, that's hard because your consumers, you know, we're used to food tasting the same all the time. And Mm. I think if you're going to, if you're going to buy a whole food product and something that's local, you know, people are going to have to understand that there may be variances, I'm guessing, based on the availability of ingredients and that sort of thing. Correct. Is that, mm. Correct. Is that something you guys have come up against where people have been like, they might have noticed something was slightly different or...? Well, we, ha- we have one a regular customer that's in touch with us that complained about the size of our cherry tomatoes, right? Now, we, c- we can't pick out the size of the cherry tomatoes. They come, depending on the growing conditions yeah. they might come a little bit larger this week or a little bit smaller and we can't cut them because as soon as you cut them you know the shelf life is reduced so we've got to keep them whole yeah so you know you can get one that's a 10 cent piece and the next week you get the 20 cent piece to me it's so, not easy so the variability is there yeah and it's just because it's you're getting a product that's Natural. that's growing yeah it's not highly processed yeah and i think um rather than look you know rather than consumers looking on that as a negative they should look at it as a positive because, you know, food is never going to be, like, you know, real food, it's it's not exactly the same, you know? Like, it's not perfectly produced. That's It's imperfectly perfect. So I think um, that's something that's 
you know, really cool that you guys have to offer. Um, but I also imagine it makes it quite hard as far as your pricing is concerned because um, you go to all this extra effort, um, you want to make sure that people are getting the freshest ingredients, the price of fresh local food fluctuates all the time, and let's face it, artisan products are generally more expensive than, say, their more processed counterpart because they're more nutrient-dense and they're more concentrated and that sort of thing. So. Do you find it a little bit more challenging this way from a price perspective? Or? We have two particular products that fluctuate in price dramatically. One is mushrooms and the other is uh, eggplants. So and it depends on supply and demand. So if southern states have got high demand, the product will go there. And it's just simple economics. So the higher yep. demand, the less supply, the price will go up. Yeah. So it makes it hard for us. For instance, we have... Um, Buddha bowl, which is uh, vegan. So if, if the price of the mushrooms or the eggplant goes above the cost skyrockets, then we have to make a decision, well, how long do we wear that for, thinking that the market will turn again yep. and more supply will come in, the price will drop? Or do we say, right, let's take that product off our menu for the time being until prices become a bit more realistic? And then the problem for us is because we like to balance our menu, what do we put in in terms of, say, a vegan dish in in that space, right? Yeah. Because across our entire range, we like to cut. We're not, we're, if you like, we're diet agnostic. Yeah. We don't really care. We just want people to eat whole food. Yeah. Minimally processed. Um, so across our whole range, we cover uh, gluten-free, vegan, vegetarian, paleo, the whole lot, dairy-free. Yeah. Yep. So if we, if, if, if that's how it affects us. So we have to then think, well, what can we put in its place? Yeah, so you can cater for those. So we can cater for the vegans or, yeah. Yeah. or those that are yeah. gluten-free or whatever it might be. Yeah. So, Sean, um, as far as keeping things as real as possible and minimally processed, and let's face it, like, I've been, um, like, involved with you guys for a while, and I know that, um, like, you can't really compare all real food meal to all real foods meals to anything else that's available because you only have to pick up a ready-made meal in an IGA or I don't know at a cafe and read the label to see that there are things added to it and you guys just don't do that so um maybe could you give us some um give our listeners some examples of things that are commonly added to foods that um that aren't included in the all real food products well, one of the ones on the top of my list would be um, MSG or 621. Um, a lot of companies out there to mask some of the other preservatives they put in there, they put in uh, 621. Um, they also use sugar as a, as a preservative. They use a high amount of sugar. Yeah. Um, and salt, salt as well. All of those ingredients, well, 621 we do not touch at all. Um, we've recently produced all sodium across the board on all of our uh, menu items. Um, and sugar, well, we try to touch as little as that as possible. Um, in actual fact, something got brought up to us the other day about um, salsa, um, which uh, provoked me to go to the supermarket to have a look at what else is out there. Um, after the vegetable ingredients uh, listed on the side of the packet, the second highest ingredient is sugar. In the salsa? In the salsa. In supermarkets? Yes. Yeah, correct. yeah. So what was this off the back of? How come you looked into this, sorry? Um, someone tried to compare our salsa to one of the uh, 
processed versions and said, why do I have to pay so much for your salsa? Okay, right. Fair enough, yep. Um, as soon as you taste our salsa, it should be in the in the taste of why our salsa costs a little bit more. But some people still don't understand that good quality food takes more well, many time to make. Yep. It takes, takes good quality produce, which costs money, and that you know, you're going to have to wear some of that cost. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, no one's going to survive, are they? Correct. Yeah. That's interesting on the salsa because uh, I, was, I did a taste testing for a potential site to take one of our cafes and um, there were about 12 people in the tasting and they all got to taste a little bit of the salsa and they didn't like it. And I, was, I questioned this with Sean when I got back and I said, I don't understand it. This is fresh salsa. I've been tasting it for five years. To me, this is how it should taste, right? Yeah. Yep. And then when we compared it, the other ones that they've been probably eating out of the supermarket are full of sugar. Yeah. Ours isn't. So they're, they're expecting something sickly sweet, whereas our salsa has spice to it and, and flavour. flavour. I guess that's uh, something that for someone who's been eating next to no flavour in anything they've eaten, our food would seem odd and weird to them. Yeah. And I think that point about the sugar is important because I don't think people realise that it is a preservative and it's probably one of the cheapest ways to preserve food. Correct. So that, you know, we always say sugar's in everything um, and part of that is because, yeah, it means that the food keeps for so much longer. Um, And I know that even when you guys do use sweet, like sugar, you're usually using things like Rapadura sugar and like maple syrup and, and... you know, all local honey yeah. to sweeten things anyway. Yeah. 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 And you tend to use them in desserty dishes anyway, where you'd expect to find sugar, Correct. not hidden in main meals. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, obviously, not adding things like MSG, Sean, and, you know, copious amounts of salt and sugar also has some challenges. So, um, can you, like, yeah, so how does that make it more challenging for you as a chef and, and to, I guess, keep the business running? Well, see, people would use salt to bring a lot more flavour out in their food where, yes, I'd love to be able to do that, but I'm also cautious about if I put salt on one item and it's on the next item and it's on the next item, when you combine them all together, on our packaging, you know, salt would be the second listed item. So I've, you know, taken that into consideration and tried to use as little salt as possible yeah. on anything yeah um instead of using sugar in some items like you just brought up honey i try to use honey instead of sugar yeah even though you know our sugar isn't processed caster sugar it's rapidura we you know i still try to steer clear of sugar as much as possible yeah and what about the freshness of the food like logistically you know if you're not preserving your food i imagine you have to turn it over pretty quickly correct well, for instance, our butcher um, supplies us. We do everything in small batches, really yeah. small batches. Yeah. Yeah. So we could have, um, we might do a batch of a certain dressing for this week. That's it. We do enough just for our anticipated demand. Mm-hmm. And our chicken, um, through our butcher, is um, supplied to us on a weekly basis. Okay. So everything is turning over all the time and we're only producing to our our anticipated demand of our customers daily daily every day we adjust our what we're going to produce so we're not overproducing or underproducing but it's impossible to predict (laughs) human nature so we're going to have instances where there is some food that's unsold and we donate that to charity and ends up in women's shelters and homeless shelters and that sort of thing 
Wow. So none of our food's wasted. Yeah. No, it's not wasted, yeah. yeah. So not only you're buying as much as you can locally, but you're then giving back locally as well. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So I think, um, you know, I'm not... I want to recap on this because it's an issue that I see as well. Um, I think people really need to appreciate um, the food that you guys produce that, you know, it really... Like, you, you have as close as you possibly can your own chef in a kitchen literally making the stocks making the sauces making the dressing making the mayonnaises putting them all together for you into a beautiful meal packed full of produce so it is going to cost you more than buying a cup of two two minute noodle soup in the supermarket Um, and I think that that's something we really feel like people in general are starting to look like that they're devaluing food. They're not realising the true value of good food. People eat with their wallet first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you take uh, for real milk, right? They yeah. they produce a quality product and they're competing against major supermarkets, dollar milk. Yeah. It's like when I see an advertisement for a $1 Hungry Jack's burger yeah. or something like that, you have to ask yourself... What real food is in that one dollar? Exactly. That has to pay for the food, the farmer, the transportation, the staff member that has to make it, and all of that. The kitchen, the rent. The yeah, whole all lot. Of that. Yeah. It's it's unrealistic. Yeah. So um, but is, maybe that's what the masses want. And also, I think because so many people don't cook, like when should like when I'm trying like Sean's food, right? For me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know how long this would take me to cook. And that's re- literally what goes through my head. So in my head, I'm thinking I'm paying literally, this would take me 45 minutes to prepare. So that goes through my head as well. Whereas I think less people cook these days. So they literally just can't understand, well, why does that take so long to prepare? You know, they just don't get it. I think that's a big problem we're running into these days as well. Absolutely. And, yeah. and how do you address that problem? Unless people start to even if it's once a week, yeah. cook at home themselves. Yeah. They get to understand what they need to do in terms of preparing the sauce or the yeah. stock or... Yeah, absolutely. Actually chopping <laughs> vegetables. Chopping vegetables yeah. or making a stock from scratch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sort of stuff. Um, and even if you don't make a stock from scratch, a good stock is going to cost you $8 a litre, uh-huh. like in reality, like a decent stock. So you either make it yourself or you pay good money for it. Um, so one other thing that I wanted to touch on, so is, um, you know, it's the start of the year and, um, with the start of the year comes an influx of new diets and that sort of thing. So I kind of wanted to ask you guys, you know, you really hit the nail on the head before Mark, when you said you kind of, you kind of like, you kind of diet neutral. You just want people to eat whole foods and eat fresh food, which is really what Jess and I start with as well. How do these sorts of trends affect you, like, you know, just out of interest? I guess, ultimately, you have to produce something that your end customers are going to want. Yeah. Uh, So, there's a lot of pressure on us to, um, you know, provide more options, be it gluten-free options across our range. Um, To find a gluten-free wrap is really hard. Yeah. There's a reason why gluten is in wraps, to make them malleable easy to fold and that sort of stuff yeah a gluten-free that elasticity is not there 
So a lot of those things cause us um, challenges. It just means we have to spend more time finding an appropriate substitute or ingredient. Yeah. And more money, really, hey. It is, you've yeah. you've got to test it out. We do. Well. We have yeah. to test it and do shelf life testing and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then our preference is to have something Australian yeah, or New Zealand. Sure. So it really whittles down our, our options and then we might find a product that, okay, it's not Australian but it doesn't have heaps of preservatives or nasty chemicals in it. So let's go with that and see, see what the reaction is yeah. from our customers. Yeah. That and a lot of new diets that come out each year are just relabeled last year's diets. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, as a chef, does your head in sometimes. Because you try to tell someone that this is part of this dietary requirement that you're asking but it's just not saying it on there this is just the latest trend that you want to be a part of but it's just relabeled old trends yeah yeah totally i totally agree with that but why, why are people looking for a particular diet unless it's uh, a belief system why are they looking for to, to fix some other problem this is what i like about uh your podcast and jess's podcast is that you focus on basics first and really that's what whole food all real food is just real food start with that yeah as a basis yeah absolutely yeah if there was um we're almost at the end of our time together but um is there anything what do you think's been your biggest challenge so far having all real food because we're in vending machines yeah the the normal person that would use a vending machine is not the person that look, is looking for our type of food. Yeah. They're looking for uh, highly processed, you know, chips, chocolate, Sugar. drinks, yeah. food. The person that wants our food is not looking in a vending machine. So we've had uh, this huge education process of getting people to believe that this is real food and it's fresh coming out of a vending machine because there's no one there to talk to them about it. Yep. Okay? They look behind and think, is there a chef behind there making it? There's not. That's our biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, it's just going to continue to be a long process like that. Yeah. Until because people will first see the vending machine before they see the food. Yeah. Which is hard. Yeah. They stop, they look, and they're amazed. Oh, look at that. Yeah, and they don't realise there's a human there restocking it every day. <laughs> no. Yeah. So that's our, that's been our biggest challenge. Yeah. If we had a bricks and mortar, easy. People can walk in, they can chat to you, they can see the food, they can see it in the machine as well. Yeah. But it's to get them to stop. And once yeah. they stop and try it, yeah. they become regular customers because they know that the quality's there. Yeah. The freshness is there. The flavour's there. Yeah, absolutely. I, and the one thing that I, I always say about my, our food here is you can taste give a fuck. How, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of effort and time and thinking in, to each menu item that we do here. It's yeah, not just right. out of the machine into the into the vending machine away you go. You yeah. need our homogenised slot. No, we're totally 100% the opposite direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you said, okay. So where can people stop and look and buy your food? So where are you guys at the moment as far as your self-service cafes slash vending machines? Okay, so at the moment. Um, well, over the last couple of years, we've tried different uh, venues, uh, but at the moment, we're mainly in hospitals, uh, but we have a few corporates. We used to be in a corporate up the Sunshine Coast, so there is there is demand in larger corporates or businesses that might be in um, 
like industrial parks, that sort of thing, yep. where they, there's not a lot of choice. There's only the Greasy Joes down the corner. Yep. Um, or they operate 24-7, like a call centre or something like that. Yeah. Where they need uh, to have access to healthy options. Yep. Not just from 9 to 5 when most places are open. So yep. that's the benefit of our machine. It's there 24-7. Yeah, awesome. Cool. All right, and obviously people can stop by at your headquarters at Mount Carrara as well. Yeah. Because there's a self-service cafe here yep. on Carrara Street. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, was there anything else that either of you guys wanted to add about the company or um, the philosophy or anything? No, not really. Okay. All right, so um, that about does our time for today, guys. So um, just recapping that I'm here with All Real Food and... Um, if you simply just don't have 30 minutes a day to cook yourself a decent dinner, then I recommend you get to an All Real Food self-service cafe. Um, you'll be supporting local business. Um, and I just wanted to recap on the five core values here at the Nourished Wrap. So um, we would love if you could eat whole foods as often as you can. Make sure you move your body in an enjoyable way every day. Try to get some sleep, which Jess is really, really wanting right now. Um, take some time out, even if it's just for a, a couple of minutes every day, and listen to your own body because no one else knows it like you do. So thanks so much for joining us again, guys, and we'll speak to you in a fortnight.